Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries, great to be with you today. I have a little information I want to begin the broadcast with today. It came from a very trusted source yesterday who said they had received this note. I spoke to a very high-level lawyer last night. He told me in absolute confidence that his people high up in government have told him privately that end of August, they are bringing in stage five restrictions, not stage four, but stage five with martial law and government food rations. There will be food shortages and armies in streets. So many armies right now training and preparing for this, you've got less than two months to prepare. Okay, and then on the heels of that, prepare for the worst. Stack up on food and water. Try to live as self-sufficient as possible. If possible, plant in your garden and grow micro beans inside. If not, I recommend you fix a safe house or find somewhere you can grow and live a more self-sufficient life. When we have bought or built the roof over our head, grow our own food, get our own water from rainwater, harvest, or other methods, our electricity from the sun and other technology, we know we are on one step closer to freedom. And remember, teamwork makes the dream work. And then there were a few items on the list. Get a map, compass, sunglasses, sunscreen, extra clothing, headlamp, flashlight, first aid supplies, fire starter, matches, tent, knife and tools, rainwater, catching system, Solar panels, power banks, survival food, supplements, excuse me, survival supplements, and DM for a good source of survival food and supplements. All right. So, uh, again, the warning came out that soon, suddenly, these collapses will come, these stage five events for controlling the masses. Uh, According to this individual, it is at the end of August, going into September. Also, two days ago, as you recall, there was an 8.2 magnitude earthquake in Alaska, and it set off the tsunami alerts all over Alaska, and the entire peninsula uh, of Alaska 
was shaken. They, it was felt, this earthquake, an 8.2 was felt throughout uh, Alaska. So uh, the aftershocks were very powerful, okay? And they're talking about a storm last night that went through Wisconsin, and there was, uh, unfortunately, there were fatalities and casualties and the loss of many homes. Uh, we look around the world today, we see all the signs of the times, as we've been saying for a very long time. So I wanted to do something with you today, and I, I need to be honest with you. Uh, my news today is not as sobering and nearly as um, intense about what's going on in the world as it is one of the greatest blessings, I think, a believer in Jesus Christ and the rest of the world, by the way, could get in on. Uh, I am going to be sharing this on uh, during the, this weekend, which means tomorrow and Sunday. I'm going deep into this, but m- many of the people in our fellowship at New Wine Ministries won't be tuning in today because they're all celebrating Callie's birthday. So I thought what I would do is bring this information, this revelation to you, and it is a, it's, it's the flip side of the moment. We know what's going on in the world. We've talked about it. Go back to Tuesday's broadcast. Go back to Wednesday's broadcast. It's there. Yesterday, we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles. Today, we're going to talk about one of the greatest blessings that you as a believer in Jesus Christ could ever know. When I read these passages of Scripture, my heart is thrilled. It brings me back to consciousness. It brings me back to center. It makes me to understand what this whole journey on this side of eternity is all about. And it's something that if we don't cash in on it, in other words, if we don't apprehend it and we don't receive the benefit of it, um, we are, of most people, just kind of missing out. And so today, I want to go through some scripture and share a few thoughts with you. And again, this is going to be a very brief conversation. We'll be done at 10 o'clock in about 53 minutes. So I hope you'll stay tuned with me uh, as we walk through this passage of scripture. And I see this being completely tied into uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. But this is something just for the body of Christ. This is for believers all over the world. And I believe that the urgency of the moment that we live in demands some spiritual vitality. Wouldn't you think if everything in the world is going in the direction that it is and we're getting ready to walk into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth that we need a further equipping? Okay, in the, in the passage of Scripture I'm going to read with you today is, is not new. It's obviously been in the Bible. You've probably read it 500 times if you've been around long enough. But the vitality of it, the potency of it, the truth of it, the impact of it at this moment. You see, a a word spoken in due season is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And so it's a word spoken in due season that accelerates. And this word is for the believer in Jesus Christ in the face of all the opposition, gloom and doom going on around the world. It is the thing that I think is going to cause us to prevail And I believe it's going to cause us to have the victory and the success that is so desperately needed in this hour in which we live. Give us the endurance to endure to the end. Give us the strength. Give us the power. Give us something to run for. You know, give me a reason why not to flip out in the last days. Give me a reason why not to let my love grow cold. Give me a reason why not to begin to betray my brothers and sisters or kill them or hate them. Give me a reason not to fall away. Tell me why. In the face of what's coming down the pike, why should I stand? Why should I continue? Why should I, in the face of this uh, storm that is coming, give me a reason. And what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes today is the reason. And if we get it, we are going to be so much more prepared than anybody else on this earth. And I believe the love and the compassion of this passage also will accelerate in us a desire to reach out to people in this world and bring them into the kingdom, because if we don't, who will? If you're out there moving about by the Spirit of the Lord, 
Uh, it's your life that's making contact with people that are in darkness and bondage uh, in all kinds of issues. And it's you that are going to bring them to a saving knowledge. It's the spirit of God in you. So uh, I want to get into this and I'm going to begin just for context and because we have the time in Galatians chapter three, Galatians chapter three, the apostle Paul is talking to the, the church at Galatia. And remember these letters that were written to the early church, they were ready to face persecution. They were coming into a time where there was a, in that world at that time, a global tribulation, a persecution against the kingdom of Christ, against Jesus Christ, against the church of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing, and in this particular context, he's writing to the believers in Jesus concerning the law of Moses. But this is going to play a significant role in our lives as we go. Galatians 3.1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? So Paul's saying to the church at Galatia, you know, who, what, what's happened to you? I presented Jesus Christ right before your eyes. He was evidently set forth, crucified. So I preached the crucified Christ, on the behalf of you, and who has bewitched you that you've stopped obeying the truth? And then he goes on and says in verse 2, this only would I learn of you. This is what I want to know. Received ye the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you get it by the law? Or did you get it by hearing faith? Well, the answer is by hearing faith. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, Paul was saying to that new covenant church, everything that you ex accepted and received and believed came through your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. And through your faith in Jesus Christ, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get it by going, uh, you know, back under the law. And so to those Jewish believers that were in the church of Galatia and the uh, Gentiles that had come together, because those, the churches were met with both Jew and Gentiles, they were coming together. And so some were saying, well, we need to go back under the law. You know, we need to go back under the law. And Paul's saying, listen, that is the most foolish thing you can do to begin by the Spirit and then go back under the law, or walking by flesh. And that's what, you know, takes place when you try to keep the law, go under the law. Your flesh is going to act up. It's an unruly, deadly thing. It's only the grace of God and the crucified Christ that can deal with that. Then he says, I love this part of it. Are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, are you going back under the law? You're going to get back in the flesh you're going to depart from your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, not what you did. And are you going to be perfected by doing that? You're going to go back under the law, try to be good. You're going to do, no. He said, that's foolish. He said, have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. So they had suffered at one point that church in Galatia because of their righteous walk in faith in what Jesus Christ did for them. They were, the unbelieving Jews were very hostile against them. How dare you preach some God named Jesus, right? And why doesn't he just become Apollo or Jupiter or something? But they were, they were being persecuted from that angle. And then, you know, there were those uh, believing Jews that were telling the Gentile believers, you need to come back under the law of Moses. That was a big discussion. So Paul is writing to them saying, listen, you suffered a lot of stuff to remain in the faith, to stand in faith. And have you suffered in vain, if it yet be in vain? Verse 5 of Galatians 3, he therefore that ministers to you the Spirit, okay, so who is it that ministers the Spirit to us? It's the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, it's the, the apostles that minister the Spirit. He therefore that ministers the Spirit to you, or ministers to you the Spirit, and works miracles. So in the churches, in the, uh, in the beginning of the church age, at all these churches, there were miracles everywhere. 
There were miracles in Corinth. The gifts were flowing. There were miracles in Ephesus and Galatia and uh, Philippi, all the new covenant churches. There was the Holy Spirit and there were miracles. And he's asking the question, he therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, were those miracles flowing? Uh, Was the Spirit flowing out from the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is by the hearing of faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you and I as the Savior of the world and all who believe. But there's a temptation to uh, the gravitational pull back into the flesh, back into carnality, back into legalism, back under the law, you know, back into works, um, a departure from the ground of faith that begun the journey all along and will carry us through to the end. So again, it was the faith in Jesus Christ. Now Paul launches into one of the greatest conversations, and this is what you need to know. This is what I need to know. And you need to really apprehend these promises, okay? In Galatians 3, 6, even as Abraham believed God, and I just want you to see what that word believed means. You probably already know. It's the pastuo. And it literally means to be what? Persuaded. Persuaded. Okay? Um, To put your confidence in. So it means to have faith. It is to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Okay? But the idea here is persuasion. And so Paul says in verse 6, or uh, verse 6, even as Abraham was persuaded or believed God, he trusted God, and it was counted, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So I know, it, I know what it sounds like up front, but let's just go a little deeper. He is taking the realm of faith to the church at Galatia, and he's bringing them back to Abraham, the father of our faith. And he's telling them, listen, there was a time on planet Earth before the Mosaic law ever existed that God apprehended a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham believed God. God spoke to him. You'll be the, you know, there's all these things we're going to talk about. So God was making all these promises to Abraham. He spoke to Abraham. He unveiled his plan to Abraham. And Abraham didn't keep any Mosaic laws. Okay. He was just a man out of Iraq originally today. That's where he was from. He was not called as a Jew. Okay. Um, He was a man, what you would call a Gentile, if you will, coming out of Iraq. He makes covenant with God. It's a covenant of faith. And so Paul is saying to the New Testament church, even as Abraham believed God and was account, and it was accounted to him. So his believing in God caused God to put into his account, okay? God put into his account what? Righteousness. Abraham was declared righteous by God because Abraham believed God. So when Abraham believed God and had faith in God, trusted God, was fully persuaded that what God had promised him would come to pass, when Abraham believed, he received from God righteousness. So he was in right standing with God as a man of faith. Okay, a man of faith. All he was operating under was what God promised. No rules, no regulations, just a man encountered by God, believed what God said, because God has a plan through Abraham. And, you know, all the way back, God has a plan. And that plan is to bring forth a nation called Israel. And out of that nation is to bring forth a son called Yahshua, Jesus. Okay, so that's the plan, the salvation. And it begins with Abraham. So the only thing Abraham had in relation to God was belief, was faith. This is what you promised, I believe. Okay? Now, he's declared righteous, he's walking in righteousness, and then, verse 7, 
Now Paul talks to the people, you and I, the church of Galatia, the Jew and the Gentile, and he said, know ye therefore, know something, not with head knowledge, but in heart, in understanding, in wisdom, in perception, get it, in other words, right? Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So the big question, and what Paul was writing to the church, is you began in faith, you have faith, you don't need to go back under the law, you don't need to get into the flesh, you don't need to do what, you know, has been done in the past and try to work things out in your own flesh. No, and Abraham did that, by the way, when he produced an Ishmael, we know that, okay, but it was a, it was a trying to get in the flesh to fulfill the purposes of God. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham, because Sarah's womb was dead. She wasn't producing, conceiving. Abraham was trying, but it wasn't working. He was getting older. They got worried, okay? And at about the age of 86, I guess it was, Abraham was around 86 years old, uh, Sarah came up with a brilliant fleshly plan, hey, go into my handmaiden, Hagar. And so Abraham yields, and he goes into Hagar and produces an Ishmael. To this very day, that Ishmael is a problem. To the seed okay so rather than getting into the flesh to make things happen faith is allowing God in his due season and time to make all things that he promised come to pass so he says here in verse 7 again know ye therefore that they which are of faith those who trust are fully persuaded believe the same are the children of Abraham so are you a child of Abraham today do you have faith? Are you standing on the promises of God? Do you believe what the word of God has said, the new covenant that you have been enjoined to through the blood of Jesus Christ? You are in a blood covenant, and it's not by works. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You are standing in a new covenant through Jesus Christ, a covenant of faith to believe and be fully persuaded the promises that God has made in the new covenant. And are you standing on that and allowing those promises to manifest forth in due season? Well, when we have faith, they absolutely do because they absolutely do because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if I'm standing in faith in the promises of God and my faith is not dormant, but active, my faith will draw upon the promises of God, and the promises of God will become substance. The things that I'm hoping for, what do I hope for? I hope for the promises of God to become a reality in my life. So whatever the new covenant promises are, I'm hoping for them. So faith is the substance, the materialization of the things that I hope for. Okay, and then it's, that's how I know I have faith. And it's also the evidence of things not seen. So at the beginning, I don't see it, but my faith is going to produce the evidence of what I believe for and hope for will come to pass. Now, we have promises that are going to be fulfilled into eternity. We have a promise of eternal life, for example. We have eternal life in us. That is a promise of God. That will become substance. That will become evidence as we go on into eternity. And this, the Holy Spirit is the eternal spirit of God. And so if you and I receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, not only are we receiving the very nature of God, the character of God, the power of God, the gift of God, but we're also receiving the eternal life of God. So that's a promise that is yet to be fulfilled, but we walk in that faith. We walk in that promise, believing, fully persuaded that death has no power over us. Okay, so, but while we're here on planet Earth, we have covenantal rights, like being forgiven, all right, so the conscience could be clear, and peace and joy and love can flow into our lives and out of our lives. We have all kinds of covenantal promises. That's why we read the New Testament predominantly to get into the covenantal promises, knowing that the inheritance is not released until the testator has died, and we know that Jesus Christ, this covenant testator, has died, which means the covenant is in full force for you and I to receive all the benefits that are due us on this side of eternity. And it's not just material wealth. 
It's talking about healing, deliverance, salvation, uh, you know, peace of mind. There's so many promises of God that we can enjoy along with having our needs met according to his riches and glory, uh, the, the promises of how the kingdom works, so and you shall reap. All of that is part of the new covenant. So what Paul wants us to know, the Apostle Paul, is that we are to know. He wants us to know that because we are of faith, we are the children of Abraham. In verse 8, he says it this way. And the scripture, okay, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. Now, what is a heathen? I remember that old uh, thing, it was the other. Was it Sanford and Sons? She used to call them a heathen, right? So what is the actual heathen? It's actually just the word ethnos, and it literally means a race. So he's talking about the races, the Gentile nations of the earth. They were known as heathen, okay, because they were not in covenant with God. So the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. How are the nations going to be justified? Through faith, what did God do? He preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations, the heathen nations, be blessed. So the gospel is really the good news about God's Son coming to this earth to become a propitiation, to produce an atonement, to forgive us, to take the curse off of us. And so the whole gospel is about Jesus Christ. And God preached that gospel to Abraham by telling him, Abraham, there's something in you that I'm producing that is going to save the nations of the earth and cause them to be blessed. Now, it wasn't Abraham himself that was going to produce the blessing it was what was in Abraham. In you shall all nations be blessed. What was in Abraham? Well, Abraham gave birth to Ishmael. That wasn't the right deal. Then he gave birth to Isaac. That was the promised seed, according to the flesh. Then he had six more sons from Keturah. Okay, but that wasn't the real deal either. But there were nations growing forth. What we know is that out of Abraham came Isaac, and out of Isaac came Jacob. And out of Jacob came the 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was Israel. It changed to Israel. And then came the nation of Israel. And then as Israel became a nation with all the details in between, out of the nation of Israel came forth the true seed, the Savior of the world. So when God was saying to Abraham, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, what he was saying is that the whole world will be blessed because out of you, out of Isaac, out of Israel, will come the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, the Messiah of the world. And all who place their faith and trust in him will be saved and blessed and will actually become in the spirit the very children of Abraham because as Abraham was of faith, so are those who are of faith. God didn't call Abraham to become an Iraqi. He didn't just call him to become a Jew. He called him for faith. And it was his faith that produced the promises, not because he was Jewish. Okay, that whole lineage thing and that Jewish reality is, is a part of things, but it's not the central theme. The whole idea with Abraham was God called him to faith. And because he had faith, all the promises commenced. And this, the plan of God did actually come through Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, the nation of Israel, and then came Yeshua, the Messiah. What an amazing plan of God all by faith. So when you and I have faith and we believe, we are connected to Abraham in the spirit. We're just like him. We're children of Abraham because as he believed, we believe. What do we believe? We believe that we are saved by grace through faith. We believe that we have eternal life. And, well, there's more. Watch how he says it here. So in verse 9, Galatians 3, 9, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So 
Do you have faith? Are you fully persuaded? Do you believe? Not from the perspective of the law, not from the perspective of, well, I'm going to get in the flesh and work things out and make things happen. No. Do you have pure, simple faith to believe what the gospel, the good news, has said? Do you believe that you are forgiven for all your sins forever? Do you believe that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you, emancipated you, delivered you, saved you, redeemed you, atoned for you? Do you believe that through the death of Christ on the cross, you have been accepted by God, brought into the Father's house, filled with the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is washing you, cleansing you, sanctifying you. The covenant is in the Bible. You read your covenant rites, and by faith, personally, you partake of whatever promises you can believe for. Are you really in the faith? Are you persuaded? Are you trusting? Do you believe? It's a big question, because if you are, then you're connected to Abraham in the spirit. You're like him. Remember, every father has a son, and every son is like his father. So if Abraham had faith and you and I are of faith, then we are the children of Abraham. That's all he's saying. But now, in verse 10, praise God, you are blessed. And let me just tell you the word blessed. So then we are, which are of faith are blessed. It's the eulogio. And that word literally means to praise, celebrate with praises, invoke the blessings, it means to speak well of. Literally, it talks about a benediction. It talks about a blessing invoked upon a person to prosper. Okay? So we have these definitions, and there's so many more, um, to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings on. It means to be favored of God, to be blessed. So how did we get that blessing? Well, here's what it says. We didn't get it by keeping the law. We don't get it by getting in the flesh and trying to work things out to our own benefit like Abraham and Sarah did with Ishmael. No, here's how we get it. And he, and he says in verse 12, for as many as are of the works of the law. So now he's talking about the whole Mosaic thing. The whole law of Moses thing is what is being referred to here. Okay, and he says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, are under the curse, because the law brought curses. And the reason, listen carefully, the reason why God sent grace into Israel 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ was to bring restoration, deliverance, salvation, healing to Israel, and they were cursed. They were Lepers, they were sick, busted, disgusted, demon-possessed, and now the grace of God comes to that nation, and the grace of God is undoing the curse that came upon them for breaking the law of Moses, okay? So, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So anybody that wants to go under the law is going to experience the curse of the law. And that's why the New Testament, there's a battle telling the New Covenant Church, you're not under the law of Moses anymore. The law of Moses served its purpose, which was to produce a nation until the seed would come. You're going to find that in this chapter here. And so if you're a Christian today and you're still trying to uh, operate under the law, keeping all the statutes, the ordinances, the commandments of the law, you're not going to do it because if you fail in one point, you're guilty of all, according to the book of James, which means the curses will be on your life. But when grace came, and when Jesus Christ came with grace and truth, when he brought grace, that grace touched the blind man. It touched the leper. It touched the lame man. It touched the demon-possessed man. It touched all the people the woman that had an issue of blood, everything that Jesus did was because grace was overpowering the curse of the law. And not only was he dealing with the curses through grace, come on, he was dealing with the curses of Israel through grace, 
he was also bringing him out of that old covenant of Moses into a covenant of faith in the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. This is powerful. I'm telling you that the grace of God in Jesus Christ can undo every and any curse that's operating in your life, whether it is a generational bloodline curse, whether it is the curse of Adam that came upon the whole human race, or whether it is the curse of operating under the law. And what a lot of people do, I've done it myself. I know this firsthand experience. We come to Jesus and we have, and we have faith and we believe and we experience the grace of God and the spirit of the Lord. But then we start reading that Old Testament and somehow we get influenced to come under the law and we try to keep keeping the law, whether it's the Ten Commandments or anything else. And it doesn't work. It produces the curse. And that's, that will always be that way. It's like the law of gravity. It has been in existence from the beginning of time. It will be in existence to the end of time. And at any moment in your life or my life that we choose to go under the law, the curses of the law will hit us. So don't do it. Walk in grace. Walk in faith. What is that? It is the unmerited favor of God. It is the divine influence upon the heart reflected in the life. When the grace of God comes into your life, now your faith in his grace is going to produce every promise. If you try to get under the law, if you get into the works of the flesh, if you try to do things in your own strength, it will not work for any of us. We've tried it for years. It doesn't work. It doesn't bring the emancipation proclamation to fruition, the deliverance, the salvation, the liberty, the freedom. It doesn't produce it. So the grace of God truly does. So what are we looking at here? Verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law, no man is justified by the law, in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just, or the justified, shall live by faith. So here we are being told that any form of legalism coming under the law of Moses, you're never going to be emancipated from the curse because it's impossible to keep the law of God perfectly. And again, if you fail in one minor point, you're guilty of all. So legalism, the statutes, the ordinances, the commandments of the Mosaic law will always keep you in bondage to depression, to fear, to offense, to guilt, to shame, to condemnation. You will never really know the liberty of what the grace of God has done. Now, Jesus Christ did not come into the world with grace to deliver us from the curse of the law and then tell us to go back under the law. I'm giving you my spirit so you can keep the law, the ordinances, and the statutes. No, he did not. What he does with that grace is he lifts us up and out of all the curses. He brings us into the kingdom. He fills us with the Holy Spirit so now that we can operate in the promises of God. And the Holy Spirit feeds off of the word of God in the new covenant. And it's a covenant of grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing and repentance and confession, getting cleaned up before the Lord, getting washed. I mean, it, it's not a lesser covenant. The covenant of grace is so much higher in its efficiency and effectiveness in producing what? Are you now made perfect by the law? That's what it said earlier. The grace covenant, the covenant of grace brings you and I to perfection. The law can bring nothing to perfection. So we don't view the new covenant of grace as a weaker covenant just for a bunch of sloppy human beings that can't do anything right, and we just stay there and wait to go to heaven. No, the grace of God is energetic. It is spirit-filled. It has the can-do, the dunamis, the power to lift people up and out of the slavery to sin, and it breaks the bondage in the mind. But it's all through grace of what Jesus Christ did, not what we have done, not what we do. If we try to get in there in our flesh and make it work, you're out of faith again. The only thing we do is believe. That's all Abraham did. 
is all he did was believe. And I don't care what any legalist will tell you, that is the truth. But my believing in the grace of God and in the new covenant is, in a, is a book of instructions. I have the living Torah, the word made flesh, Yeshua, the Torah made flesh, which is instruction. The whole New Testament is a book of instruction. But it's not a book that brings people under the law of Moses or suggests that we are to, in our flesh and carnality, trying to make it work. No, we work out our salvation by operating in faith in the promises of God and in the finished work of Jesus Christ. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And what was finished? He paid the price for those that were under the law, and he took the curse upon himself. Listen to what it says in verse 11 again. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So the law and faith don't blend. The law and faith, no, you've got to separate the, the law from faith. Faith and law does not work. It says it right there. The law is not of faith. So a lot of people are operating out of a law-mindedness, trying to do things in their flesh and energy, rather than being part of the covenant of people that don't deserve anything, but got everything from God because they simply believed that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, in verse 13, here's the kicker. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And when Jesus Christ hung on the tree, the wooden cross, when Jesus Christ hung, he what? He what? He, what does it say? Being made a curse. Jesus took the curse, all of the curses that were, on, that were connected to those under the law. And on that cross, he took every curse. So when he cried out, it is finished, what he was saying is, I have now received the penalty. I have taken the full weight of God's wrath and curse upon myself for the nation of Israel first and then for the rest of the world. I became a curse. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. And when he said, it is finished, and that curse came on him, and he died and went into paradise and then went into the, the depths, into the prisons of hell and took the keys of hell and death and all that he did, all right, he took the curse and deposited that curse in hell where it belongs. He took your curse. He took my curse. He took the curse of Israel. He took the curse of the world on himself. And all who believe in him will experience the extraction of all curses out of their life, whether it's the Adamic curse, generational bloodline curses, or the curse of the law. All curses are to be out of our lives through our faith in what Jesus Christ did. And again, when he said, it is finished, he was saying, I've fulfilled everything now that old covenant and the demands of it are totally fulfilled. So I have fulfilled all things, every jot and tittle, going back to Matthew 5, until every jot and tittle, I fulfilled everything on the cross at that time. And when I took it on me, I took away. Watch what it says. The Bible's going to tell you in the New Testament, the whole law of Moses is gone. It is gone. I fulfilled it. I paid for it. I did everything, but now I'm given a new covenant. Watch how he says it. In verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham, okay? So he's saying, I was cursed. I hung on the tree. I was made a curse for all, okay? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentile, the heathen nations, 
through Jesus Christ. Now watch this. If the Arab world, the Muslim world, if all the world in all of its diversity would believe in Jesus, everybody would get in on the blessing of Abraham. Right now, the hostile neighbors of Israel are battling because Israel's saying, well, we're the covenant people. We're the covenant people. We get the promises. No, the fact of the matter is the whole world could enter in on the promises of God if they will believe in Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, the promise is to those who believe. So the Muslims don't have to be angry at the Jews anymore. The Jews don't need to act superior to the Muslims anymore because both of them, if they come to faith in Jesus Christ, will get the blessing of Abraham. But if the Jew rejects Jesus, he's going to go on the Old Testament thinking that it's you know, his right and the curses of the law will be on them. The Muslims will remain to be hostile against them thinking you stole it because we were the firstborn. We should have got it. And that whole earthly thing, that paradigm will continue on. But if both the Muslim and the Jew would come to faith in Jesus, they would give the preeminence and the glory to Jesus Christ as the rightful heir, and we would all receive the blessing of Abraham. If all the communist nations, socialist nations, atheist nations, agnostic nations, all the people of the world would just have faith in Jesus Christ, we would all receive the blessing of Abraham. And the world would be a much better place. It wouldn't be about power struggles here on earth. It would be about the glory of God given to Jesus Christ. And we worship God through Jesus, brought into a covenant through Jesus. That's what this scripture is. This is the good news. But as long as governments are going to vie for power, we're better, we rule over, they're missing the point. They're going to be cursed because they're not the rightful heirs. So... Listen to this one more time. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the promise? It's the Spirit. Every believer has access to the Spirit of God. And listen, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he brings eternal life the kingdom of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of God, the character of God, the power of God, the good, the everything of God is in the Spirit. So the promise to you and I through our faith in Jesus Christ is that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is everything. You cannot exhaust the depth, the width, the height, the breadth of the Holy Spirit, because this is God, it's his spirit, and who has known the mind of the Lord. Now, listen to what Paul says. Now, if that's not good news, I, I mean, if you were to just boil that down to what it's really saying, and I think we did pretty well, what is God saying to you? What is he saying to you? He's saying, regardless of the color of your skin, what side of the tracks you grew up on, the condition of your life, what you've done in your past, good or bad, I'm giving you my unmerited favor in the person of my son, Jesus Christ. I'm giving you grace. And my grace is reaching out to you. And when you receive the grace of God in truth, See, some people, he warned, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Receiving the grace of God in vain is receiving it, but not really understanding the benefit, the value of it. Okay? I'm giving my grace to you. My grace is going to work against every curse in your life, whether it's the Adamic human nature curse, whether it's the curse of the law, or whether it's a generational bloodline curse in your family. Grace is given to obliterate the curse. Just like they say that the shot is a vaccine that gets into your body with digital code to search out COVID-19 and kill it. Well, the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ through the blood of the lamb, that grace searches out and destroys every curse, all sickness, all disease, everything that is not a blessing is eradicated, which is a new covenant phenomena 
Nobody ever had that kind of covenant before. This is the new covenant. Think about it. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, he made it very clear, the blessings of and the blessings and the cursing. If you obey the law, you'll be blessed. If you disobey the law, you'll be cursed. And when you read the curses, everything from sickness to skin disease to fever to black, you name it, every sickness and disease in the scriptures is associated with breaking the law. It's a curse. So if you remain under the law at all as a New Covenant believer and you get influenced by people that make you believe that you're supposed to be under the law, the curses of the law are going to come on you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, because if you break it in one point, any one of them, you're guilty of them all. Get out of it, right? That's what he's saying. Now, receive the Holy Spirit, and a new dynamic erupts in your life, and something this direction commences, and it's a journey in faith, it's eternal, it's awesome, and this covenant of grace and faith does not yield the fruits of flesh, carnality, sin. No, this grace works to undo the curse, crucify the flesh, so that the spiritual life can influence the soul, getting it cleaned up to walk in the integrity of what God originally intended us to be, created in his image and likeness. This flesh, worldly stuff, that's not who we are. That's what we became because of sin. But now we are to become the righteousness of God again by the atonement for sin, Jesus Christ. So Paul says it this way, Galatians 3.15. I hope this is good news to somebody. Galatians 3.15. These are powerful. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds to it. So even a man's covenant, okay, if it's confirmed, you can't disannul it. Now, he's using covenants here. 16. Now, Abraham and his seed, and now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. All right, so the promise is made to Abraham and his seed, not of the many seeds, Ishmael, Jacob, Isaac, the sons of Keturah, which were Abraham's six other sons. No, he says uh, it's the promises are made to the seed, Abraham and his seed. He says not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And here's where people go, that's, that's Isaac. No, it's not. Listen, but as of one. So the promises are made and are found in one seed. The promise to Abraham and his seed. And what is it? But as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Christ is the promised seed in whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed if they believe and receive. Christ is the seed. That was what God had put in Abraham way at the beginning in his master plan, was to bring forth out of Abraham a nation, according to the flesh, the natural seed of Israel, but out of that would come the promised seed, Christ the blessing is in him. The blessing is in Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on to say, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, okay? Remember, the gospel was preached to Abraham before there was a law. And it was the gospel of Christ, the good news, Blessing to the nations of the earth. In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Remember, he preached the gospel to Abraham. Now it says, this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, which was the gospel preached to Abraham about the blessing being in Christ, the law, the Mosaic law, which was 430 years after, that's exactly from the time God covenanted with Abraham, 430 years after Israel came out of Egypt, God gave them his law, right? So 
the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul. In other words, the law of Moses cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So the law of Moses that was given to Israel, Israel, the law of Moses given to Israel, could not disannul the promise that was made to Abraham that in him would all the nations of the earth be blessed. But what does he say? He says it this way. In verse 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. What is the promise? The promise of the spirit, the promise of eternal life, the promise of the blessing of Abraham. Okay, gave it to him by promise. Wherefore then serves the law? Now Paul's going to answer the question. Then what was the purpose of the law? We know it was good and right. It was God's law. It was holy and just. But what was the purpose of the law? Wherefore then serves the law? It was added, okay, after the covenant was made to Abraham, the law was added because of transgressions till, so it was just added because of transgressions. It was what? legalized Israel, boxed them in, put them in the laws, rules, regulations. It was for transgression. So it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. So the law of Moses was only until the seed, which we now know as Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. And he came 2,000 years ago, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator, Praise God. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Okay. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. The law is not against the promise, okay? For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given by the law. But there wasn't a law that could give life, okay? So the law wasn't against God's promise. It was given for a period of time till the seed should come. But verse 22, but the scripture has concluded, and we're getting ready to conclude here right now. But the scripture has concluded all under sin, the whole human race, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The promise of the Spirit that comes through faith in Jesus Christ will be given to them that believe, that believe what Christ is enough. Verse 23, but before faith came, okay, so before the covenant of faith, before faith came, we were kept under the law. He's talking to those who knew the law. We were kept under the law, shut up, unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So during the whole Mosaic law thing, Paul's referring to all those Jewish people that were under the law. We were what? We were kept under the law. We were shut up unto the faith. In other words, we were kept out of it. Wherefore, verse 24, here's talking, he's appealing to the mind of those that are under the law, that are coming to faith in Christ. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. To bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So what was the law? It was a schoolmaster to bring Israel to Christ and then the Gentile nations to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now, the work of Christ on the cross is what justifies us, not our striving in the flesh or keeping the law. Then in verse 25, but after that faith is come, We are no longer under a schoolmaster. We're not under the law anymore. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Is there a better gospel anywhere in the created universe? Absolutely not. No way. There is no 
greater promise. There is no greater covenant. There is no greater anything, no greater news than the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why do we share that on this Friday afternoon? Just to encourage you to rise up, experience the grace of God, to destroy, to search out and destroy every curse off of your life, to believe, to pray for more faith if you need it, to exercise your faith. Don't let your faith go dormant. If I say I have faith without works, it's dead. Faith without works is dead. So operate in faith as you go. Know that you have received the Holy Spirit, the river of life. As you flow, that river goes with you. And that river is the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and everything you come into contact with or everyone you come into contact with, whether they be demon-possessed, in bondage, sick, the grace of God, the river of God is in you to bring healing and restoration. And to me, that's good news. Good morning, Vincent. 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 (laughs) She called me Vincent. All right. Good morning, Brenda. How are you today? All right. Just a few little friends with us today. Uh, Kevin Hauger, good morning to all followers. Uh, River of Fire, blessings from South Dakota. Looking forward. Hey, Pastor Dave, let's talk. I need to put a little schedule out. If you can, uh, give me a a shout, okay? Uh, Vanessa, Shabbat Shalom, Pastor. We can only begin to enter into the grace of God when we've come to the end of ourselves. That's for sure. Uh, I like the background. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Charlotte Gotch. Good morning. Vanessa KM. Amen. XX. All right. That's it for me. It's Friday. I've got a busy, busy day and I sure you do too. And I'm going to tell you now, walk in the grace of God. Go for it today. Be emancipated in your conscience. Be forgiven, cleansed, washed, healed. Let it all happen. And God bless your day. We'll see you on Tuesday. Remember, September 30th, put it on your calendar, the Great Feast of Tabernacles right here in Northwest Arkansas. See you Tuesday. Shalom.